Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Deep in the heart of every person, there is a longing for the presence of God. Because deep in the heart of God, there is a longing to be present with His people. God loves being with us. He loves being with His people. Created that way. We're actually created to be in the presence of God. If we go right back to the very beginning, as we read in Genesis, we see that God has created us for His presence. In the second verse of the first chapter of Genesis, we see that the, the presence of God is everywhere. The Spirit of God hovers over the descendant. He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. God is a great God who is everywhere and He was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God, the word Spirit in the Hebrew is the word Ruach. And it means breath or wind. It's trying to articulate an energy that is unseen of the wind. You know that there is an energy there, even if you can't see it. And the writers in the scriptures, as they try and articulate the presence of God, they articulate it in, in, in terms of energy, in terms of wind. And this wind, this energy, this presence of God is everywhere, hovering over the surface, hovering over the, the wind of God is, is always creating. It always brings life. And so it brings into order chaos and it brings creation into being the transcendent, living, life-giving, creating Ruach of God. The wind of God is everywhere. As we continue reading in Genesis, God and God comes and he, he loves being amongst his people. We see this in the Garden of Eden, this beautiful picture of the presence of God with humanity. We know the story that as we read the story of Adam and Eve, symbolic of humanity, they reject, and we too, we reject God. We see that Adam and Eve are cast out of the presence of God. They're cast out of the presence of God. And ever since that time, as we read the Bible, we see God's mission, His purpose to presence Himself again with his people who have rejected his presence. A person called Abraham and makes covenant with Abraham, a way, a form through a special people, the people of Israel, to say, I want to be present with you. I've chosen you. And he creates some structures so that his presence can be with them. His imminence. We use this word transcendence and imminence. They're big words. God is omni. And in the Old Testament, we see at certain times and certain places, God comes and is with his people in the temple through the, the mediation of the priests. And we see that in the temple structure in the people, with the people of Israel. We see the songwriters of Israel write songs. They write psalms which just celebrate the presence of God, experiencing the imminent presence of God. We see the prophets filled with the presence of God writing to the church. Oh, sorry, writing to the people of Israel writing to their context and their culture, again, the presence of God being made known through specific people at certain times. But we see something change in the New Testament. God stepping down from heaven and onto earth. And God walks amongst his people and he dies and he rises again and he promises his spirit to his followers. 
And we read then in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, this wind again, this creative force. It's almost like creation again. Jesus' followers, and they are changed, they are empowered, and we see the birth of the church, the people of the Spirit. That's us who can know the imminent power, presence of the Ruach, the wind of God, the creative God, the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit is with us. We can know the presence of God. God is transcendent, imminent with us. But there's always in us this this tendency to move away from God. We tend to fill our lives with other things that stop us from encountering the presence of God, don't we? We tend to fill our lives with other things because we think that actually the presence of God is not enough. It's not in our lives that actually distract us and pull us away from the presence of God. We, we see things and we think that actually they fulfill us, that they, they actually give us greater hope and meaning than the presence of God. It might be career, finance, success. There might be addictions or behaviors. They might be substances like alcohol or drugs. I walk around the streets of Brisbane as I jump on buses. I see people glued to their phones. They're like little idols that are always in our presence that we carry around with us. And we see more and more people who are addicted to their screens. Maybe there's some of you here today and you just, you always have to be on your phone. Social media will not fulfill you. News feeds will not fulfill you. It's a false presence. It will never fully satisfy. Only the presence of God can fully satisfy we're going to look at a story this morning of a well-known person in the Old Testament who was passionate for the... And as he found himself in the presence of God, he was changed. He was transformed. Because that's what the presence of God does. When we encounter the presence of God, we are changed, we are transformed, we are renewed back to that which we were created for. So we're going to read a, a bit of the story of the person of Moses. So if you have your Bible and 34... We're going to jump from uh, verses not, uh, t- chapter 33, 9 to 23, and then chapter 34, verses 28 and 29. The words will be on the screen if you get lost. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open with the Exodus chapter 33. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and Worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I have found favor in your sight. Please show me. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not not in your going from, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, now show me your glory. And he said, 
I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Lord, in your presence, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on a rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand my back, but my face shall not be seen. Let's skip forward to Exodus chapter 34, verses 28 and 29. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Moses had been changed. There was something about him that had changed. You know, we are transformed just like Moses. We are transformed in the present. If I'm in their presence, something changes. I don't know if you've ever been around a famous person before or someone that you really look up to. And when you're around them, something about you changes. You behave differently. I remember the first time I met Megan. I, I was uh, invited uh, to go to Les Mis with people. As soon as I saw Megan, I was overwhelmed. I thought, wow, this is one beautiful woman. I want to get to know this woman who speaks in a strange accent. And I spent the whole night trying to think of ways in which I could impress Megan. I'm very, you know, suave and, you know, kind of winsome. I go, oh, 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 don't laugh, you know. <laughs> when I was around Megan, I turned to water. I was terrible. Normally I'm very funny, but I was not funny. I remember at the intermission, as I worked as a worship pastor and kind of knew a little bit sound, I started just to talk about sound gear, you know, kind of throwing it as if Megan was being, you know, in any way interested or impressed by that. You know, I was trying so hard. I remember at the end, of the show, we walked out, and it was raining because it was London. And uh, Megan had an umbrella because she's always organized. I know. And I held her umbrella and walked through puddles to the train station. The only problem, and I don't know, that was something I wouldn't normally do. And I remember getting to the train station, but it was one of those funny umbrellas. And I went to close, and it went the other way. And I broke it. Megan was not impressed at all. Behaving in strange ways, ways that I wouldn't normally behave, and it didn't work. Megan was not impressed at all. You know, the presence of Megan changed me. I started to behave in different ways. Eventually, I managed to convince her to go out with me. And then I managed to convince her to had a great influence on my life, physically, just like Moses in the presence of God. I got a photo here about the time that I met Megan. This is a photo of me. <laughs> Around the time I met Megan. I thought I was a rock star. And I, I was I just I was living the dream. I had I was so cool. Don't laugh. Em, that's it's not that funny. I met Megan and everything changed. This is a photo of me on the day of our wedding. And uh, 
I, I, that's me looking back. Wait, I was short. It was shorter. I was sharper. I was more refined. I was more behaved. You know, I was just a different person. Being around Megan, being in the presence of Megan, changed me. I'd like to think that Megan being around me has changed her as well. In fact, as, I, as she has, uh, for almost 10 years now, our 10th wedding anniversary, I think that I've, I've managed to change Megan uh, as she's been around me. I think that Megan now is more patient. Uh, I think that Megan is more forgiving, uh, than, and she's more hardworking than ever before. And she is definitely more beautiful. Oh. Moses is transformed. Sentence is changed. We see it. He comes down after being in the presence of God and his face has changed. He looks different. They actually have to cover his face because he radiates the presence of God. You know, when you're in the presence of God, something changes. I really believe it. Your countenance changes. Your point changes about people who have walked in the presence of God. Now, last year, we moved house and... Um, it was one of the first few days and we were unloading stuff and our neighbor came and we started chatting. I reckon it was in three minutes of talking to, the, to my neighbor that I realized that there was something different about him. It didn't take long. There's something in my spirit said, there is something. And as it turned out, about 10 minutes later, he mentioned that he actually went to a church. You know, there is something about the posture, the countenance of those who walk in the presence of God. But it's not just our countenance, it's our actual character as well. Moses walking in the presence of God had changed his character. To Exodus chapter 33, there is a vast difference between the character of Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, you read again that, that Moses encounters the presence of God. Moses is a shepherd and he sees a bush that is burning. And you probably know the story. And he comes and he gathers around the burning. Go back to Egypt and I want you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses says, no way. I am not doing that. I am quite comfortable here. I can't speak anyway. I don't really want to go and save the people of Israel. Thank you, but no thanks. Here is a person that is self-consumed. Someone who, God, someone who hasn't been walking in the presence of God. Someone who's not willing to give up his life for the people of Israel. But there is something that happens as Moses walks in the presence of God so that his character is changed. And by the time we get to three different Moses... In, Moses, in Exodus 32, just before the passage that we read today, Moses does something profound. He's come down from the mountain after meeting with God and the people of Israel because he'd been away so long in the presence of God, uh, they had decided to build their own idol. And realizes this. And then he says to the people, and we read this in verse 30 of chapter 32, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves God. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. This is incredible. Moses is now saying to God, God, you've got to forgive these people. You've got to make atonement for their sins. But if you can't, if you cannot forgive them because of what they've done, kill shame in the posture and the character 
of Moses. He is taking on the person who actually would be willing to die, sacrifice himself. He's taken on the character of Christ. And see, when we walk in the presence of God, there's something in us that changes. When we walk in the presence of Christ, we are, the Holy Spirit comes into us. We must be changed. Our character is changed. We read uh, throughout the New Testament the fruits of the Spirit, the act of what the presence of God does in us. And it was at work in Moses. Moses was transformed and we can be transformed too. You know, we learn from Moses' life, not only that we need to be in the presence of God, but we need to passionately pursue the presence of God. But if we're to passionately pursue the presence of God, then we need to position ourselves in a place where we can experience His presence. There's a lot of P's there. I like that alliteration. I love alliteration. We need to, if we want in a place where we can be in His presence, we can be in His presence. You know, it wasn't soon after, too soon after we got married that another presence entered into our home. There was something else that just seemed to get between Megan and I. There was this, another presence, the presence, and it wasn't a kid. You know, kids are in our presence now and they do get in the way. They're wonderful, but they're also irritating and annoying at times, but but this was something else. You know, there was a presence that Megan had with her, and it was incredible. It made some incredible promises. You know, it promised to give her restful sleep. It promised to give her true happiness and joy. And it, it, it promised to make her happy when she was sad or in a bad mood. It promised to enliven her senses, and it even promised to make her feel young and vibrant. You mean, that there are incredible promises. I couldn't compete with this presence. You know, I was starting to worry that Megan was loving this presence more than me. I don't know if there are any other husbands here today who have wives who are addicted to essential oils. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, there we go. I'm just going to let that, the cloud, the presence, just emanate. What have we gone for today, sweetheart? Citrus. It's citrus today, isn't it? So I'm going to enjoy that, and hopefully you enjoy it too. It'll keep you away. Apparently, citrus is to invigorate you. I just learned that last night. Um, <laughs> with essential oils, or is it just me? Come on, you can be bold. You can be, there's a few of you. I feel your pain. It's everywhere. Wherever I go in the house, there are essential oils and there's this machine. I go to the lounge room and it's there. I go to the kitchen and it's there. I go to the dining and it's there. I am sharing my presence with Megan with this thing. And it just keeps pouring out its presence everywhere. It's actually quite nice. I actually quite enjoy it. <laughs> Truth be told. You know, me, the thing is, is <laughs> sorry, sweetheart, <laughs> under the bus. It's like the tent of meeting when we go. <laughs> when we go. It's like the, like the people of Israel. You know, all our other family members just start worshipping at that, at that, at that, because they see the cloud of just essential oils coming out. from. We went, her essential oils so that she can be in its presence. 
everywhere. And the people of Israel knew where the presence of God was and they positioned themselves around the places where the presence of God was. It was in the tent of meeting, as we read about, where Moses would go in and then the cloud, which represented the presence of God, the Spirit of God would come. And Moses would also go, as we read, he would go up to the mountain where he would go and be in the presence of God. Moses positioned himself in place of God. You know, the wonderful news about the presence of God for us today is that God is with us all the time. We can access the presence of God anywhere, anytime. We don't need to find ourselves in a person, uh, in a place. We don't need to carry anything or access the presence of God anywhere. And Moses passionately pursued the presence of God. He positioned himself in a place so that he could be changed in the presence of God. And there's this little verse, verse 28, which we read which, uh, of chapter 34, which gives us an indication of the posture there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets with words of the covenant the Ten Commandments. You know, firstly, Moses spent time in the presence of God. 40 days and 40 nights in the he disciplined his time. He spent time in the presence of God. He longed for it. He knew the value of it. But he placed himself for extended period of, periods of time, longing, passionate for the presence of God. He pursued the places where God was and he spent Time, where are the places where you best sit in the presence of God? Find those places and go there often. For each of us, it's different. For each of us, we may have different ways in which we enjoy sitting in the presence of God. Find them and go there and 40 nights in the presence of God. We see in that, that next part of the verse, he neither ate bread or drank water. You know, he was so consumed, Moses was so consumed with the presence of God that he didn't need to eat. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. We see Jesus do this at the 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. You know, fasting is one of those spiritual disciplines which says, God, I need you more than anything. You satisfy me more than anything else, even food and drink. You satisfy me far more. And Moses satisfied being in the presence of God that he doesn't need to eat. So why, why eat? Why spend time eating when I can enjoy being in the presence of God? There is something about desire here. You know, that we need to desire the presence of God. And fasting is one of those things which says, God, I desire you more than food. And as Hannah said before, a couple of seasons throughout the year of fasting... I'm going to do a bit more teaching uh, into this next week. Uh, and next week, we, we're inviting the church to, uh, to, to start a season of fasting, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, some of you may feel called to fast for 21 days. That's a long time. Some of you, for some of that, got this booklet, which you can grab at the welcome desk on the, on, on the, on the way out. And it's got a whole bunch of devotional and also practical tips for how to fast. But as I said, I'll talk more about that next week. We believe that God is calling us to do that. You know, I know that over the, the course of my spiritual journey, 
fasting has been significant more. But I know that when I have fasted, it's been significant for me. There has been shifts in my heart as I've encountered the presence of God and as He has spoken to me. Moses is consumed with the presence of God. His desire is for Him and he fasts during his time. And then the third part, the Ten Commandments. See, Moses understood the promises of God. Moses was able to come and he'd received, this is the second time of receiving the Ten Commandments, but he had already understood the promises of God, that God wanted to presence, presence with confidence, trusting the Word of God, walking into the presence of God, and boldly making some claims. Here is Moses standing before God, and he's arguing on behalf of the people of Israel and saying, God, you said, God, it's your people. If you destroy these people, that you are a good God. You have made covenant with us. I'm invoking your word. I'm invoking your promises. God, I'm confident you need to go before us. We need your presence. There is a confidence about the posture of Moses. I reckon for some of us, we actually into the presence of God. Why would God want to be with me? Why would God want to spend time with me? If God only knew what I'd done, and if God has seen what I'd done, he, do, he wouldn't want to spend time with me at all. And I think for a whole bunch of us, we live with shame and with guilt, thinking that God judges us and condemns us. And then, uh, of a passage, I've, I've been going through 1 John recently, and chapter 3 had just has some beautiful words which have resonated in my heart. And I think for some of you today, you need to take hold of these afresh. 1 John chapter 3, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called... The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. I skip verse 4 to verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his peace. Greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Maybe you sit here and your heart condemns you. You don't feel like you have a place in the presence. You need to take hold of these words that John reminds us of as he speaks the words of truth because of what Jesus has done for us, because he has died for us, because he has come and made himself present amongst us, walked amongst us, died for our sin, risen again, defeating sin and death and inviting us into a new world. And we are not condemned. So even if you are feeling condemned this morning, if you are in Christ, he is stronger than your heart and you are not condemned. Can I hear an amen? We are free. We are free in the presence of God. We are free in the presence of God. We can with great confidence. Hey, Jason and Susan have spoken very practically about some of the things that we're going to be doing, and you would have received a card as you walked in today which outlines just the things that we're looking at doing over this series to encourage us 
to encounter the presence of God. Let me just quickly highlight them. And each Sunday, we're going to be teaching into this. The first one, we're going to encourage each of us to hunger in the presence of God with prayer and fasting. I just spoke about that before. We're going to practice the presence of God in private, encouraging each of us to find the ways in which we encounter God in our homes I'm really excited about some of the things that our, our, our kids team and what Hannah's doing, some of the resources to create conversations for parents with their kids, but not just that. You know, for those of you who don't have kids in your own home, to have conversations, to bring what's being spoken about in church home and to sit on it as Christians is just not here on a Sunday. It's further afield. It's in every part, every aspect of our life. You know, God's called us to welcome the presence of God in worship. I love how we worship together as a city campus. I want to see more of that as we lean into God, as we minister and pray for one another to them during the week. And keep an eye out. Jump on our Facebook um, page and group, and uh, you can uh, get those as they come through. We become the presence of God in community through life groups. Hannah mentioned life groups before. Listen, we've only been going for five months and we've got a whole bunch of life group leaders. If you want to be a life group leader, facilitator group, please come and speak to me. We need more to facilitate all the people who are now calling Gateway City home so that you can be the presence of God with one another, that you can encourage one another in the context of life groups. And then finally, we're encouraging, we're being challenged to take the presence and be praying for different uh, elements or parts of the workplace, different, different industries, different sectors, which is really exciting because, you know, being in the city, there are so many different uh, areas in which we're surrounded uh, by professional workplaces. Each of us go to work and we're called to take the presence of God, the countenance of God, the character of God into position ourselves to be in the presence of God to be in the presence of God. We are called to position ourselves to be in the presence of God. And here's what happens. See, a revelation in God's presence in private. You know, when we encounter the presence of God in private, it will ultimately work itself out in public. We see this with Moses. We've looked at it as Moses spent time in the presence of God, as he positioned himself in the presence of God. He was changed and everybody could see it. Everybody could, everything on him carried and smelt of the presence of God. It was unmistakable. See, when we encounter the presence of God in the private place, it will spill out into the public place. People will notice it. When you go to work, when you spend time with your family, when you hang out with your friends, do people notice that there is something different? Let me tell you, you get that when you spend time in the private place, spending time in the presence of God. And as we spend time in the presence of God, it must go out, not just personally, but us as a church as well. You know, we're just not called to have a holy huddle here on a Sunday morning with the difference and that fun, that was funny, great. All right, off we go, go home, that's it. No, God has called us to be in this place so that we will be a blessing to our city. We are called to be a church that passionately pursues the presence of God and takes the presence of God into our city. And there are a few things this year that we know as we've been planted in the city that God Brisbane. Let me just point to a few really quickly. Firstly, we're going to continue with Alpha. It was awesome to see over 30 unchurched people come through our doors in our last Alpha course. 
And we're praying that more and more of your friends, your work colleagues, family members will come along. Our launch party, as Hannah said, is in a week and a half's time down at Miss Kay's. And then we can continue for eight weeks in a, a non-threatening, conversational way. Do you have somebody that you can invite along? Take the presence of God. Invite people in to encounter the presence of God for themselves. You know, Hannah White will be starting City Youth this year. Now, when we planted this church in uh, this, this campus in August, a few others, you know, and uh, we'll see where it goes. I was, I was a little bit nervous for Hannah. Going, we're having these kids and youth pass, but I don't know if you're going to have any kids. You know, we have got stacks of kids as part of our church now, which is so exciting. You know, what's been really cool is to see a youth group begin to form. And this year, Hannah's going to be starting Friday Night Youth, building disciples that they will too will fall in love with the presence of God. But I know for Hannah as well, her passion is to reach out to our city where there are so many young people who walk the streets who are disaffected, who are disconnected, who are lonely and in desperate need of the presence of God. It's really exciting this year that we're going to be uh, starting Gateway Care. We're planning term two starting Thursday mornings where we just meet and have morning tea and invite the homeless, the refugees, those in need into our space to love for them, to practically care for them in a whole range of different ways, delivering city care, gateway care in the city. Really exciting. Starting our students' ministry, reaching out to the international students and the universities in this area. You know, we are surrounded by international students, many of them who are lonely and disconnected and desperately needing community. We can be the presence of God for them and invite them into the presence of God. God has called us as we gather together, as we experience the presence of God, may we go out, may we take the presence of God with us wherever we go, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our homes, into the places that we hang out. God has called us to take his presence public. And as I come to land, there's just one small verse that I wanna point us all to. Moses is encountering God as he's offering himself up, as he's crying out for God's presence. God responds with just one short sentence. I don't know if you picked it up. God responds to Moses and he says, My presence will go with you and I will give you presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You know, essential oils can give you some rest. They may help you feel calm and they may even help you sleep. But only the presence of God can give you. It truly restores your heart. You know, as we think about Vision 2020 and we think about all the things that we're excited about, and I know as we gathered yesterday, there was so much energy in all the teams as we think about all the cool things that God is calling us to do in the city this year. We look at it all, I know I do, and go, how? And it's easy to get straight into work mode and try and strive and make it all happen. But God says to, the, to Moses, and I believe he's saying to us today, I will give you my presence and I will give you rest. 
See, it's the, it's the presence of God, that, that energy that makes things happen, that brings things into being, that brings a life, that creates. And as we allow the Ruach of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit to move in us and amongst us, as we passionately pursue Him and allow the presence of God to fill our hearts, we get to see Him work in and through us as we're transformed, as we're changed more and more into His likeness. You know, the week before we planted this campus, we were at McKenzie. I know a whole bunch of you were there because we had prayed for. If you remember that, we came up on stage uh, at all of our services and we were commissioned, we were sent, we were prayed for. And we had a Galvin and he got Megan and I together afterwards. He said, hey, Andrew, Megs, I, I feel like I've got a word for you. I'd love to pray for you. And he gave us this picture that we are being called not to be a rowboat, but to be a sailboat. He said, Andrew, you could, with this church and as a team, you could gather together and you could sit in a moving pretty quickly. And you'll get going and it'll all be fine, but you'll get tired. And you won't be able to go any faster. In fact, you'll slow down and you won't go very far. He said, Henry and Megan, you are to be a sailboat, to raise him with it. And that has been such an encouraging word for us. You know, even in the early steps, the early seasons of this campus, just continually reminding ourselves that we are called to be a sailboat, that it's actually the power, the force of the Spirit that is going to lead us, drive us, and move us. Ultimately, not about us. It's not. It's about the presence and the power of God at work in us. And we celebrate all that God is doing in and amongst us. All we need to do is set the sails, position ourselves in a way to catch the wind in trusting and knowing that He is a good God who will lead us and guide us. I wanna ask you this morning, are you encountering the presence of God? Does it feel like you're moving in the wind of the Spirit in the presence of Him? Or does it feel like at the moment you're in your own journey, your own relationship with God? Do you feel like you're holding onto those oars and you've been rowing and you've been rowing and you've been rowing and you're exhausted and you're tired and you need a fresh sense of the presence of God in your life? Maybe there's a dryness there and you just need something fresh. You need to position yourself and enable Him to move amongst you. I'd love to pray for us in a moment as we, uh, as we head out towards this new year and with all the things that we believe God's calling us to. You know, there's so many good things that we're called to, but I reckon we're just called right now just to receive the presence of God. Before we, uh, we finish and we pray for one another and we worship and I read people to respond. I don't know your story. I don't know whether this is your first time in church or whether you've been part of this church for ages, but... The invitation every time and for every person is that you would come into a knowledge and a relationship with the living God. Jesus has come for us so that we can know His presence every day. That we can know you need a Savior. You need Jesus. You've been doing things in your own way. And your heart condemns you. And you've been striving. And you need to receive the Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for you. So if that's you today, we want to create a moment where you can receive His grace, where you can hand over your sins and His grace afresh for the first time. So just across this place right now, can we just bow ahead and close our eyes?
And maybe you're sitting here and you're invited by a friend. It's your first time here. I don't know what your story is, but if you're honest with yourself, you don't know that eternal life. You don't know that life that is found in Jesus. You've been working hard, but you know that there is not forgiveness. You need a Savior. You need Jesus. Just with every head bow, every eye closed, if that's you today, you know you need a Savior. I'm just going to invite you just to raise your hand. And no one watching, just to say, that's me. I need the presence of Jesus in my life right now. That's you. That is so cool. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just have a sense that there are some people here who've walked away. You're a Christian, but it's been all you back relationship with you, calling you back to reconnect. If that's you, I just invite you to stick your hand up too. Is there anyone here? Anyone else? That's cool. Thank you. I see that. Anyone else? I don't want to extend this out too much longer. Cool. I'd love to lead a prayer for the prayer of repentance, which is saying, God, I've sinned. I've walked away from you. I need your forgiveness. Prayer of repentance, a prayer of faith, saying, I believe in you. I know that you died for me. Come into my life. I'll lead that prayer. If you're happy to pray, let's just all pray this above a whisper with those who raise their hands. Come on, let's pray together. After me, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I recognize that I've sinned, that I've walked away from you, that I've walked away from your presence. Forgive me. Will you come into my life? May I know your presence. Will you wash me? And will you fill me with your spirit, King of my life? Thank you for all that you are. I look forward to living my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.